morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Vine with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live right here from sunny Central Florida here at Daytona Beach, Florida. Good to have everyone with us here this morning. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, you can go to our website, which Deb is so uh, studiously placing upon the screen, which is www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com, and the brother can even spell this morning. But go to that, and you can check out the ministry of Raven Ministries International and see what uh, we're all about and some different things like that. So good to have you this morning, and I hope that God is blessing you. This is a, a tremendous day and a tremendous opportunity in which we live. You know, we, we just talk about a lot of times before we go live in the studio, just the things that are happening in the world and and the, the, just the preparation that God is making for His bride and for His church. And folks, listen, it, it is exciting times. And, and I always think about, I think it's Matthew, let me turn it real quick, Matthew chapter 13 that I'm always reminded of. That it says, uh, yeah, 13, 17, uh, Jesus speaking, He said, I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see the things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Folks, do you realize right now, that you are seeing things and hearing things in this world, and really through the person of the Holy Spirit speaking in your lives, that the prophets of old and the righteous of old desired to see and hear, but they did not have the benefit that we have. Uh, Melly and I were having lunch with our son yesterday. We were just talking about, you know, for generations people are talking about, ah, oh, you know what, they're just blowing off the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, people have said these things for years. We just begin to talk about there's no time in history that everything is coming together it is right now. And folks, really, if you can't get excited about the day and age in which we live, uh, you are. You need to be resuscitated. Somebody needs to put a couple paddles to your chest and yell clear as the jolt of electricity comes, because these are exciting times. And you know, even as the Word tells us, uh, uh, Timothy uh, in Timothy, Paul writes that in the last days perilous times will come. And he begins to give a description of the conditions that that they'll be disobedient to parents, they'll be lovers of their own selves, they'll 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 hate uh, that which is good, they'll they'll love pleasures more than pleasures of God. Folks, while that is true, the perilous times, there is such a tremendous opportunity for you and I as believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to really be movers and shakers and history makers for the kingdom of God. That way when we get to, as Devin and I was talking about in Revelation chapter 20, and those books are opened, that we'll see names written down in the Lamb's book of life because we were faithful to take the great commission of Mark 16, 15 and go and preach the word to the lost and dying that they might hear and, and receive the word of truth and be changed and transformed. So these are exciting times, and even as we're here today, you think about just the opportunity we have. Here we are uh, sitting wherever we're at. You know, we got uh, people in Virginia, and we got people in, in Colorado, and in, uh, here in Florida, obviously, and in Texas, and, 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 and all across the... And we just had uh, uh, Lucy in, in Pennsylvania, but her problem with the cable. But folks, think about this. We, we, we have people all over and we're, we're doing something historical is going forth. We can sit down where we are and begin to, uh, to preach the word to one another. We've got pastors that, that utilize our, these teachings for their classes in uh, Pakistan and India and in Africa and other parts of the world. We've got the opportunity to preach the word of God without compromise and uh, uh, to see lives changed and impacted by it. So folks, listen, this is time. If you've been waiting on a time in your life to get excited, it's now time. What is that? That, that, that commercial's got that button you hit? 
You know, it ought to be the easy button, I guess it is. It ought to be easy to put your hand on the Word and hit the easy. It ought to be easy to get excited now. It ought to be easy to get expectant. It ought to be easy to get built up in faith. It ought to be easy to get motivated to get into your Word. It ought to get easy to, to go testify and share the Word of God with folks. Because, folks, that's the time and uh, day and age in which we live. It's, it ought to be easy for us to begin to press into the presence of God and begin to do the things that He's called us to do. So I really encourage you to, 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 to look to the, to the Word of God, to look to the, the day and age in which we live, and get excited about the things of God because that excitement is going to produce an expectancy and that expectancy is going to build up your faith and you're going to go out and do great exploits for the kingdom of God. So good to have you here today. Once again, Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies of the Raven Ministries International. Go to our website, biggrace.com. Also, if you have prayer requests, let us know tonight if you're listening to us live. We're going to be live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For the Raven, uh, uh, Raven Nation program, coming to you live, praise and worship, and intercessory prayer and whatnot. So if you have prayer requests and you need a miracle from God, please let us uh, pray for you and just stand together. We just believe in the power of prayer. We've been seeing God do some tremendous things uh, in people's lives and out on the streets and just seeing God do miracles. And we know that, that God's hand is not shortened tonight that he cannot heal. So if you have prayer requests, please send those in to pray at biggrace.com. We want to get those on the prayer list and have our team standing with you in faith, believing that God will strengthen you. If you need healing, if you need restoration, if uh, you're in a situation in a marriage or you need a breakthrough with your finances or at work or whatever, let us stand in, in faith, believing that God's going to bring deliverance into your heart and life today or touch people that you're just concerned about. So let's go to the Lord in prayer today and just ask God's blessing. But be sure and tune in with us right here tonight at 8.30 p.m. for the Raven Nation broadcast as well. Father, we just come to you tonight in the precious holy name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you tonight, today, Lord God, that we have access into the Holy of Holies because of the blood of Jesus. And Lord God, I'm just, as, as I prayed that, I'm just reminded, Lord God, even as we studied in the book of Romans, Lord God, and, and looked at the, 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 the priesthood, Lord God, of the believer, that, we're, that we, we're like that priest, Lord God, that has come to that brazen altar, to come to that place that was the cross. And we've looked up in that bronze laver, laver and saw the reflection, Lord God, in, in the conviction of sin. And we've, we've taken the blood of Jesus, Lord God, that's been upon our lives, Lord God, and we've pressed through that holy place, that place of fellowship, that place of communion, Lord God. And now, Lord God, because the veil is been rent twain from top to bottom. We can come boldly into that place, Lord God, where your glory is, is revealed and made manifest. And Father, today, Lord God, we come to you, Lord Jesus, by the only name that, that, that under heaven, Lord God, wherein a man can be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray, Lord God, that, 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 that you would just search us today, that you would try us, Lord God. We don't want anything in our, our life, Lord God, that would cause us to deviate from the truth. We don't want anything, Lord God, that would serve, Lord God, as an impediment, Lord God, to the flow of your Spirit, Lord God, operating in our life. Lord God, every imagination, any high thing, any thought, Lord God, that would exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ Jesus, whether it's a fear, Lord God, whether it's a lack of boldness, a complacency, Lord God, whether it's doubt, unbelief, Lord God, whatever it may be in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we bring those things into obedience, Lord God, into captivity, Lord God, unto the obedience of Christ Jesus. And Father, we just want you to search us, Lord God. We don't, we don't want it easy, Lord God. We, we want, to, we want you, the, the, the trying of our faith, to, Lord God, to be more precious than silver or gold. We, we want, Lord God, the, the fiery trials to come upon our lives, Lord Jesus. That way we stand before you, Lord God. We will be purged, Lord God, of all unrighteousness, Lord God, any iniquity, anything that would be found in us, Lord God. 
We want to be holy, Lord God, even as you are holy. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask that you would do a work in our hearts and lives. Lord God, because we just want to decrease. We want to be like John the Baptist who said, Lord God, I've got to decrease that he might increase. Lord God, we, we get up too many days and there's just too many of, uh, uh, too much of us, Lord God, staring back at us, Lord God, through our lives. And Lord God, we just want you to reveal those components in our life and those issues in our life. There would, there would be a barrier, Lord God, between uh, the, the flow of your spirit, Lord God, and the realization, Lord God, of the person of Christ in us. We want to be reflective of your glory, of your holiness, of your righteousness, of your love, of your truth, Lord God, and, and see the anointing of God flowing in our lives. And so, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for you to just do a, a work, Lord God, in our lives, Lord God, just do, some, do a powerful, Lord God, interaction today in the name of Jesus as we come to your word. And Father, we just pray for those that are sick. I pray for, for my mother. My dad's putting the, that up on there. She goes for a, a test this morning, Lord God, for a heart test. And, and Lord God, she's just been concerned about it. Just the whole process of the test itself is just uh, unnerving. But we pray for her right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for Catherine Bond right there in Amarillo, Texas. And we're just asking, Lord God, that the Spirit of God would come upon her right now. That the presence of the Holy Ghost would just fall, Lord God, where she's at. That you would just cause the, 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 her to be covered over by your peace that passes understanding, that you would just cause life and hope, Lord God, and restoration to come upon her. Lord God, touch her, minister her, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We just pray for those that are administering the test, that you would just cause this grace, Lord God, to abound in the midst, Lord God, of that, that medical facility in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for the good report. We thank you, Lord God, that it's you that are a creative, healing God. And so we pray, Lord God, for her from the top of her head, Lord God, to the bottoms of her feet in Jesus' name. And we just take authority, Lord God, over anything that would be out of order. And we just ask in the name of Jesus that you, Lord God, who knows her and created her and knew her, Lord God, while she was yet in her mother's womb, Lord God, that you would just begin to do creative miracles in her physical body. Just touch her, Lord God. Restore her, Lord God. Enable her. Empower her, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Let strength come upon her, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for others that have been sick in body. We just pray for their healing, Lord God. Even Rusty here with us today, Lord God. Yesterday he was just uh, off of his feet, Lord God, because of sickness. We just thank you, Lord God, that you're healing him today. Day in the name of Jesus. You're strengthening him. We just rebuke all infection, Lord God, any, any uh, uh, bacteria or virus, Lord God, that would come upon your people. We just ask that it would be turned back because of the name and by the blood of Jesus today. We just ask for your anointing on this time, Lord God, on this teaching, on our hearing, on our speaking, Lord God, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And amen. Hallelujah. Folks, yesterday we spoke really at length uh, on the subject broached by the Apostle Paul in verses 14 through 17 in chapter 10 that really deal with the issue of the necessity of preaching the gospel and really the demands that the Scripture places upon believers to be that delivery agent of that message. And so we closed out really with an important verse there at verse 17. It says, so faith comes by hearing and, and hearing by the Word of God. Folks, listen, you know, I can't underscore it enough. And tell you just the necessity that we have in, in bringing the word. There's such a void, and there's such a, a, uh, uh, I guess you could call it a vacuum of just the truth going forth. There's a lot of things that go forth, and they, uh, they propose themselves, or they, uh, they, they pose themselves as the word of God. But really, when it comes right down to it, the, the, it's devoid of the message. And we've been, we've been talking, we've talked about that at length, because Paul, really the book of Romans, he was dealing with, with really similar situations that are so uh, relevant and, and, and contemporary to us today. 
in, in regards to the, the things that we're facing. You know, the church today looks much like the, the, uh, the Jews did uh, after just kind of a, a, a long period of time, many, many years of getting away from God and having that form of godliness but denying the power thereof. You know, the Jews, here they were. They were people that had a covenant with God. They saw God do many tremendous miracles. They saw the hand of God and the favor of God in their lives. But by the time Jesus showed up the first time, what happened? They didn't even recognize him because their philosophies and their ideologies and what their expectancy was about God had, de- uh, had, had deviated so far away from who he was that when he got there, all they knew to do was crucify him because he, it, everything he said flew in the face of their traditions. Folks, I'm afraid the same thing is being repeated once again, that in the past 2,000 years, the, the, the church still uses his name and, uh, and, and many people still pronounce his name, but I'm afraid that when he comes back the second time, there's going to be people that just do not recognize him uh, uh, because, and they won't be ready to him. They'll recognize. I believe every eye is going to see him this time. He's going to come back in power and authority. But they're not going to be ready for him because they're they're they're. The aspect of how they understand him and what they're expecting out of God has totally changed. And what's happened has become really a selfish gospel. It's become a gospel of self. It's been a gospel of vain philosophies and the rudimentary teachings of men. It's been a gospel that is devoid of, of, of repentance. It's a gospel that largely is devoid of transformation. And it's one that just kind of pacifies. It's, as long as it's outwardly manifesting the things that people think you ought to with a, with a, with a self-subscribed morality, then it's okay. But folks, listen, he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. And he's coming back for a church that looks like this one. I've told the story many times when we was coming up as kids, there was five children. But my mom was always an impeccable housekeeper. She always took care of things. And it was always, you know, uh, that everything was picked up. You could literally wear the same clothes every day because by the time you took them off that night to go to bed, she was doing laundry and they were folded up and washed and ironed and everything else in the closet the next day. But that's the way she was. And, and you know, and so she took care of her business. She took care of her house. And but it was as interesting if she if her and my uh, my dad would leave the house sometime uh, and you know she had just cleaned house and all the kids were there and she'd say listen I'm leaving when I get home I want this house to look like it did when I left and we knew exactly what that meant but even though we, when they left we might got get a pillow fight we might drag toys out we might do whatever we knew when if they said they were going to be home at ten o'clock that by nine thirty we better get everything back in order. Uh, and so when they showed up, they'd have never known that we had been in a pillow fight. They'd never known that we drug things out all over the house and we'd scattered crumbs all over the kitchen. Why? Because we, we did our due diligence to, that when she returned, that she would find it in the order. Folks, listen, that's exactly what Jesus has said to us. He's coming back for a church that looks like the one that he left. He's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. And you look in Acts chapter 1, when, when, the, uh, when Jesus gave really that commission to them, it's, it's the Acts chapter 1, really the first part of it is, is kind of just a continued testimony of what we see in Mark 16, when he went away and he said, I'm going to send you a comforter, I'm going to send you a promise. And so uh, when, when, he, when he left, the angels were standing there and they said, why do you stand here looking upward? He said, don't you know that the Jesus that you see ascending is going to return in like manner? In other words, he's going to return in that same power. He's going to return looking for something. But folks, that first century church was a church full of power. It was a church full of authority. It was a church full of unity. But it was a church full of holiness and a love for one another. And folks, listen, that's the church that he's coming. I got news for you. It is 930 and it's about to strike the 10 o'clock hour. And it ain't mama coming home this time. It's the king of kings 
and the Lord of Lords. It's the, the one that's going to be seated upon a, uh, on, a, on, on a white horse as we see in, in, in Revelation chapter 19. His eyes are going to burn like a flame of fire and on his head are many crowns. And He's going to be clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and, and uh, he's got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so folks, listen, we're just asking, uh, uh, really I'm just telling you, listen, it, it is that time to get excited. It's that time to get ready. It's the time to prepare for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that what, what God has given us to bring a preparation to people is the preaching of the gospel. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We know that when the Son of Man returns, the word says, will he find faith on the earth? And so, folks, this is such an important verse because what it does, it really reveals the manner in which saving faith is deposited into the life of a person coming to Jesus Christ. You know, Pastor Monzel and I, South Florida, you'll see that Raven SFL there on the screen. He and I were talking on the phone yesterday just really about that issue and, and, and specifically about the quote that I brought out from St. Francis Assisi uh, where he commented that preach the gospel at all times and if necessary use words. And, and we were just talking about on the phone about where James says not to just be hearers but to be doers of the word. And that hearing is, is that, folks, is really for the recipient of faith, not for the declaring of faith. You hear what I'm saying? And so if he says you need to be he- not only hearers but doers. And so when I'm hearing, I am the recipient of faith. And so today, folks, if you're sitting, sitting out there with us today or listening to it later, you are the recipient of faith. You are hearing but there's got to be something that goes beyond just hearing. You can't just say, well, listen, we had a great Bible study. We had a great teaching. We learned something. Folks, if you don't do something with that, then, then, then really it's, going to, it's not going to testify for you. It's going to testify against you on the day of judgment. Because we are responsible to walk in the light that's been shed upon us. We really are. Where there's no law, there's no sin. And so he came to fulfill the law. That way sin might abound. That's what the Word t- teaches us here in Romans. That, that, that when the law came, it's so sin may, may abound. It became as our schoolmaster. And so, folks, when we come to the Word of God, what it does, it turns the light on and exposes all the things that God wants to reveal to His children. And so, as we come, we can't just be hearers. We've got to go out and be doers of the Word. And so, folks, hearing is how we initially receive faith in God. But what this requires, someone else preaching the gospel of faith in order for us to hear. And that is always necessary. And so where St. Francis says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Folks, the gospel is in preaching the gospel of words. And so what we need to do is be hearers and recipients and, and, and go out uh, forward and, and to preach that word. You know, St. Francis Assisi, probably because of his Catholic beliefs, he assumed that probably good works are really the adherence to some outward expression or, a, or a, of righteousness or a, a religious affiliation or whatever would somehow direct people towards salvation. And in all reality, really... Uh, that, that type of salvation that he advocated, which is obviously false, was really a perfect uh, works uh, uh, mentality of that day and age when he spoke that, because it was. Join the Catholic Church, and we see that many times. It's not really the, just the Catholic Church. It's many affiliations and denominations that say, just because I believe in this. We were witnessing the other night out in front of a, a, a local nightclub, and some girls came out, and I just challenged them with the word. I said, you guys serving the Lord Jesus tonight. They said, oh, we're okay. We're Jehovah's Witnesses. We're okay, we're Jehovah's Witnesses. In other words, they could dress, they had low-cut tops, they were obviously dressed very seductive. They were in this nightclub, and I said, so what you're saying is it's okay to be walking compromise as long as you, quote-unquote, are Jehovah's Witness. Oh, we're not in compromise. We can, we can, because we're Jehovah's Witnesses, we can go out and do stuff like this. 
Folks, listen, we can't walk and compromise and, and walk as a friend of the world because the Word tells us that a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And how can we say that we love Him and, and we keep not His commands? And so God is calling us to a deeper way and a deeper walk. And what it's really going to take is, uh, is, is coupling an, an outward expression of, of, the, of a life in Christ Jesus, an outward uh, demonstration of character with the Word of God coming forth in our lives. And Pastor Monzel and I really determined that we must preach the gospel without compromise and live the gospel without compromise as well. And so it can't just be preaching without living it. You've got to, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk as well. And so that is the combination that will give the enemy fits and serve really to see many hearts and lives uh, changed and transformed by the, the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through the servants of the Most High. And so that, this is that faith or that faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. That's that faith or that's that pistis. That's that moral conviction of the truthfulness of God that can really only be realized and received if we indeed hear the truth. And so, folks, that is what is so important for you. That's what is, why it is so important for you to take every opportunity that God has afforded you to speak that, that faith-building truth of God's Word to every person and in every situation that you find yourself in. So I want you to remember this, saints of God, that you are not looking for a divine appointment with an unbeliever. You are some unbeliever's divine appointment and they are waiting on you to show up in obedience. Do I need to say that again? You're not looking for a divine appointment. You are a divine appointment. And so God is just looking for you to go forth with that divine word of righteousness. And so faith comes by hearing. Hearing by what? The word of God. How will they know unless we preach? How can they hear without a preacher? How can we go unless we are sent? And so that, that whole faith-building message, and we begin to speak the Word of God, what it does, it stirs up, it challenges, it transforms, it ignites, it pierces, it, it does more than man's opinion, it does more than, than man's generosity, it does more than, than man's uh, self-righteousness. What it does, it cuts to the quick of an individual because in him are the words of life. In him are flow out the, 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 the heart of God, that theonustos, that God-breathed power. And so the woman with the issue you of blood in, in Matthew 9.22, Mark 5.34, and Luke 8.48, uh, uh, when that woman had it, she said, your faith has made you whole. The, the blind man in Mark 10.52, faith made him whole. The leper in Luke 17.19, faith made him whole. Even with, with Peter in, in Acts, uh, Acts 9.34, uh, uh, when he saw the paralyzed man at, at Lydda, uh, it was faith that made him whole. And so, folks, listen, when we go out and we begin to preach the Word of God, regardless of what we think is happening in the natural, something is being stirred up supernaturally. And so when you go into an environment, you begin to speak the Word of God. When you're sitting in a place, we, we, I testified last week that myself and uh, uh, Rusty and Melanie and Christy were all seated in a, in a Denny's restaurant, and we were just talking about the Word of God. And what happened, it became a magnet. One guy came over to us, and as we were talking to him, he went and sat down, and, and another person at the restaurant came over. Why? Because we were filling up the atmosphere with faith. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. As we began to share the Word, another night we were all out speaking the Word, and, 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 and me and Melanie and, and, and Rusty and Christy and Pastor Alex and Holly, we were in a, in a restaurant, we were speaking the Word, and, 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 and speaking that, and, and the waitress came over and said, hey, I, I need y'all to pray for me, because it was a situation, I believe it was her mother, her grandmother had been diagnosed with cancer, and it, it was uh, pretty sick, and she wanted us pray. Why? Because what happened is, is we spoke out the Word, we were talking Jesus, we were sharing the Bible with one another, and it caused faith to rise up inside 
about her. She said, I, I got the faith to come and ask these guys, would y'all pray with me about my grandmother? Folks, folks, but listen, we've got to do that. So we see the woman with the issue of the blood, the blind man, the, the leper, the paralyzed man. All of those were told that their faith made them whole. And folks, listen, faith is the antidote for everything that ails the lost and broken. And you are the ones that God has entrusted with this message. So folks, listen, many people who just will not take the time to know the Word of God, that's what happens a lot of times. People just will not take the time to know the Word of God. And what they'll often do is they'll discount the power of the Word of God and will make excuses and say things like, well, you don't have to actually be able to quote the Bible or just as long as you're living it or you're doing those principles or whatever else. Folks, listen, that is a cop-out and an excuse. It is getting more and more important all the time for you to know the Word of God, for you to hide the Word of God in your heart, for you to, to, to know what the Word of God says and know why it says it, to be able to, to, to have a command over those things, to be ready to give a man uh, an answer at all times for the reason, for the, the hope of, of glory and for salvation. You've got to, to have that word. I know people many times say, well, listen, I just can't retain it. Well, you're going to have to get the mind of Christ. You're going to have to repent and believe the gospel. Say, God, you're going to have to heal my memory. You're going to have to heal my mind. Lord God, you're going to have to stir something up and give me the faith. Because the word says, you know, oftentimes we don't even uh, that we don't even worry about what we should pray. The Spirit prays with us. But even above that, it says, don't even worry about what you're going to speak. Because in that time, I gave testimony the other day about Brother Scott Durant's. He was called on to preach and they, they, they were uh, taking a, a hearse into the middle of a, a parade during, uh, uh, I believe it was Fantasy Fest in, in, in the Florida Keys. And they told him, you're going to be preaching. So they were putting him in, the, in a casket. And at a given time, they were going to pull the casket out and he was going to stand up in the midst of the crowd and begin to preach. And he said he was just so nervous about what to say in the midst of this thing. And he said, as soon as he jumped out of that, he said it was like that he turned off and the Spirit turned on. He began to speak to such a degree that this hostile crowd of of, of bound by debauchery and homosexuality and revelry and drunkenness and everything else. Literally, it stirred them up into a frenzy. And they tried to turn the car over that he was in. Folks, listen, when you begin to preach in authority, what's it going to do? It's going to stir up devils. And it's going, to, it's going to unseat powers and principalities. But God has given us the power over those things. And so that's why, it, why when we speak the Word of God, it needs to be His words. John 6 67 and 68 says this. The Gospel of John, uh, uh, verse uh, chapter 6, verse 67 and 70, uh, 68 says this. It says, Jesus said unto his twelve, He said, Are you going to go away too? Are you going to leave now that you've got, you've got fed, now that the 5,000 has been fed? Are you going to go along with them because uh, you had your uh, little one-trick pony and you got something neat that was, that was great and it, it filled up your belly? Then it says that Simon Peter said, Lord, where will we go? He said, You have the words of eternal life. Now, what did Peter focus on? He didn't focus on the miracle. He didn't focus on the outward expression. He didn't focus on Jesus' neat, benevolent ministry. He didn't say, hey, we're going to hang out with you because we know we're always going to eat. He didn't say, we're going to hang out with you because uh, uh, you always seem to be able to get us somewhere to sleep. He said, no. He said, where do we go? He said, you have the words of eternal life. Folks, listen. We have been entrusted with this word, with the words of eternal life. Now, if you want somebody to come to eternal life, what do you need to do? You need to give them the words of eternal life. And so if you have family or friends or, or, or people that are, that are around you that are lost, what do you need to do? You need to take every single opportunity to begin to speak the words of eternal life. Because it's the words of eternal life which builds up the faith that's going to bring people to repentance and produce eternal life 
in their life. And so he said, he said, he said, would you also go away? And this is so interesting. I want to give you this out of John 6 because I think it's something you'll probably be preaching on it sometime somewhere. To, to go away is that word hupago, H-U-P-A-G-O, H-U-P-A-G-O. And it literally means to withdraw from something and come under the, uh, under the subjection to something else. And he say, are you going to withdraw from the word? Are you going to withdraw from something and be subject to something else? Folks, don't ever withdraw from the Word of God and find yourself subjected to the cares of this world, to the philosophies of men. The lost need a true Word of God, a true Word of faith delivered from the mouths of lives that are truly faithful servants of God. And so you need to be faithful to God in your walk, in your testimony, in your heart, devoid of compromise. That way when you speak the words of eternal life, that you've got a testimony of life that's backing it up. And you're not, you're, you're not going to be walking in compromise and there's not going to be a conflict when people begin to look at you and say, well, I hear them talking something, but they're certainly not walking in that. So here's what he said in Romans 10, 18. He said, but I say, have they not heard? Now he's talking, have they not heard? And he said, yes, verily. He said, their sound went out into all the word, uh, earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Hear what Paul is doing, folks. He's talking about this, and obviously he's dealing with, 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 with really a conglomerate of people. He's dealing with primarily Gentiles in the book of Romans. But you'll see he's always drawing it back to the Jews. He's telling them, listen, you've got to pay attention. And he says, but I say, have you not heard? He said, yes, truly. He said, the sound went out into all the word and, uh, world, into all the earth, and their words into the ends of the world. And so he's bringing it right back to the Jews. He said, listen, of all people, you should know this. Of all people, you should have heard. And he's actually quoting from Isaiah 52, 7. And so I want you to look at this. He's given this thought, and he's continuing in Isaiah 52, 7. Now listen to it, and we talked about one of the verses you're going to immediately hear from Isaiah. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news, that publish peace and bring good tidings of, of good. That was what, verse 15 of Romans chapter 10, that published salvation... Then says unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Then, it's, then he says it. That's verse 18. And so he, he's given us out of Isaiah 52, 7, really the whole heart of what he's talking about uh, right here in Romans chapter 10. And so, folks, what he's saying, the Jews of all people should have known these great truths. And, and really, you can kind of see a hint of sarcasm in, in Paul's voice when he says, Have you not heard? Listen, you've been hearing this for generations. You've seen the, the messianic promises. You've seen all these things that I've said. Have you not even heard? heard or or come on folks it was preached it was prophesied by by for generations through the voices of our prophets and you missed it you totally missed it folks what's interesting is a lot of times we'll be in like say for instance new york city and new york city you'll you'll run into many quote unquote orthodox jews you know they'll have the the garb on they'll have the ringlet curls they'll have the beards and whole nine yards and uh a lot of times I love stopping those guys and begin to, to talk to them. And I'll, I'll enter into conversation. And I want to talk to them about this, the Messianic prophecies of the book of Isaiah or, or different places that, that prophesy of, the, of, of Jesus. And what's interesting to me is it's almost as though you're, you're reading something to them for the first time. You'll take them to the Old Testament. You'll take them to the, to the Torah. You'll take them even to the Pentateuch or the, the writings of Moses. And you'll begin to show them, listen, now look what it says. And a lot of times... If you can believe this, even the Orthodox Jews <clears throat> that had, you'd think to themselves that they really have an adherence because they have an outward look of someone that's really devoted. And many times they're, they're carrying around their prayer books or whatever else with them. Yeah, they have a little thing on their head or whatever else. But they don't even know the Word. 
They don't even know the words of their prophets because you'll begin to talk. And what's interesting to me, I was talking to two uh, Orthodox Jews. These guys were probably in their mid-30s one day out on the streets of New York City, right there on the, the lower east side of, of, of Manhattan. And I began to share with them. I said, so what do you think about what the, the, the prophet Isaiah said concerning the coming Messiah? And I take them to Isaiah chapter 9 or just various places throughout the book of Isaiah. And, and you could tell that they, 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 they knew that that was the prophet of God, but as far as what he said, they, they, they were blinded. They did not even know. And you know what they told me? It was interesting about this, guys. They said, really, they said, you know, each, each synagogue, all we really know is what our rabbi teaches us. And so we become just kind of the products of our rabbi. So if our rabbi has a certain uh, bent towards something, that's pretty much who we are and what we do. They, they have them. And Deb asked the, the question off camera, do, do they not have Bibles? Do they not have Yeah, they do. But what's, it's, what's interesting is they'll pull them. And you can see that what's, what, what is interesting, and you'll think about it, you think about some of you, like Deb here, her background in the Catholic Church. You know, many times she was just taught something very shallow, very that, that only backed up what they thought. She was never taught to just get into the Word of God and to explore it herself and to see what it said. You'll see that in, in, in many various denominations or affiliations that people say, well, I, I didn't know that. I never, I never saw that. You know, we, we're seeing just a whole scale amount of people that have been brought up, quote unquote, in the Baptist faith that uh, throughout our ministry that are, that are getting uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, they're seeing the gifts in operation in their lives. But they've been taught against it for years and years. And so they would read the book of Acts or they'd read the, the Corinthian letters. And, and they would almost just go right over the things that talks about, you know what, seek after earnestly the best gifts. Or Paul said, you know what, I would that you all spake in tongues or, or whatever it is. And so they, they would pass those over. Why? Because somebody spread them away from it. But Paul the Apostle was bringing them back to that point. And almost a, you could almost hear a hint of sarcasm. Listen, guys, you were that excuse. You, you should have heard and really what it was is because, we talked about this, the Jews were so upset that the door had been opened to the Gentiles. And I'm talking about Jews that received Jesus. They couldn't believe it. We're going to see a lot of that here in just a minute in these next two or three verses. But they were. And so Paul was saying, listen, guys, don't be hating on them because you had a tremendous opportunity. He said, truly, he said, the sound went out into all the earth and their words into the ends of the earth. And, folks, this was the result of the diaspora. And you understand what the diaspora is. That was the dispelling of the Jews throughout all the land. And so with that or the... The, the, the sending out or into captivity all into the Roman legions and so they would go out to these places and so the, the, the Romans would take part of the Jews here and there and the diaspora spread them out all over the place and the Romans thought hey if we do this we, sp we spread these people out then they can't get together then they won't be able to, to rise up in great numbers and revolt. And so that was very common in the Roman Empire. They would break up people groups and they would kind of send them out and, and create these cosmopolitan places where you had all these people. That way the people were too, too busy having conflict among themselves to have conflict with, with the, the Romans. And so that's what the diaspora was all about. But what happened is it, it backfired on the Romans. What they thought is we can keep, uh, keep them from having an uprising. But what would happen is you got these converted people groups you got these believers, these Jewish believers, you got these Gentiles believers that basically got a free ride to all the world. And so when he talks about all the world, he was talking about everything that came under the, the dominion of that, that Roman Empire, all their, their dominion. So it was, it was the, the known, quote-unquote, world and under the, the, the authority of that empire. And so they sent them out. And so what are they doing when they're going out? When they're having their boat ride, they're talking the Bible. When they're, or they're talking the Word of God, the words of truth. When, they're, when they, they go to this foreign land that people have never heard the Word, what are they doing? They're 
preaching the word. And folks, listen, we are the product of the diaspora. We're the product of them going out into all the world and preaching the gospel. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. But folks, listen, we have been given that exact same commission. And we live not unlike a, a time under the, the, the quote-unquote the Holy Roman Empire. We, we come under a, a place like that that has come under the bondage that is trying to, to, to separate and spread out believers. But folks, listen, we have got a tremendous opportunity in our workplaces. We've got a tremendous opportunity on colleges and universities where we're at. We've got a tremendous opportunity to go to our families or, or, or wherever it is that we find ourselves to, to take our own spiritual diaspora to, that the world wanted to separate us and put us here and put us there and obligate us here and there. But we need to begin to preach that word with authority regardless of where God places us and put it and allow the, the proliferation of the gospel to change and to transform people's lives. And so there's an uprising, I believe, that was then that Paul spoke of that, that, uh, that they're going out into all the world and you should have known about it. But we've got an uprising now of people of God that he's rising up. Just think about it today. Here we are uh, really uh, having the opportunity to take the word into all the world. I, I'm sitting here in, in Daytona Beach, Florida. Many of you are scattered throughout the United States and elsewhere hearing the word of God. What is it? We're taking it. We're taking the system that the adversary meant for evil. If you go, we're using this, uh, this system called stick cam. If you look through all the other uh, things on stick cam, in many cases, it's wickedness, it's, it's vile, it's debauchery, homosexuality, uh, all types of things like that, blasphemy. But what have we done? We've taken the diaspora and we've allowed the Word of God to go out. And really, I encourage you, if you have a heart to preach the Word or to share the Word, or if you've got a testimony, contact me at ravenatbiggrace.com and we'll help you develop your own Christian program to, to go out and to preach the Word into all the world. And so, here's what Romans 10, 19, we're going to jump down one more verse. It says, But I, I say, did not Israel know first... Did not Israel know, or I put the word first, did, did they not know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them which are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. So Paul the Apostle is bringing it back. He said, folks, listen. He said, you can get so upset with someone else. He said, but listen. He said, Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy from those that are not a people. Now, I want to, I want to kind of bring this into irrelevance. What I believe what God is going to do in these last days, He's going to begin to raise people up. God is going to pull people up of no reputation, and people are going to say, "Well, where'd they come in? They haven't paid the price. They haven't. Uh, they, ha they, they haven't earned their stripes." Folks, listen. In the kingdom, it doesn't function like that. Psalm seventy-five says that God will put up one and put down another. That promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, and west. And so God is going to raise up a use who's willing to be used by the Spirit of God. And God's going to equip them and enable them to do things if they come under subjection to the Holy Spirit and humble themselves and allow God to fill them. So Paul said, listen guys, you knew it. He said it had been prophesied. Uh, your prophet, this, this oracle of God, Moses, who spoke to God as a man spoke to his friend, he told you. And where did he say that? He said it in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 21. Excuse me. Deuteronomy 32, 21. And it says, they have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those who are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. That's what he said. So circle that. Romans ten nineteen. He's quoting Deuteronomy thirty two twenty one. And so what it is 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 it, it ought to motivate. It ought to say, you know what? Listen, God is using somebody else, and so it ought to get us into the point where we're saying, you know what? I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to miss out on my opportunity. Some of you today need to get motivated. That, that, that God is using certain people, maybe around you or whatever else, and you're upset because you're thinking that you fell into some pecking order. And God's well, you just need to get up and get on the ball. 
You, because God has spoken it to you and you've wasted too much time and you need to, you need to occupy until He comes and you need to redeem the time because the days in which we live are evil. Say, so, you know what, God, I've missed it, but I'm not going to miss it anymore. And praise God that you're using somebody else. But Lord God, I repent for my passivity. I had a, I had a discussion with a guy just about 10 or 11 days ago. Somebody knocks at my door and it's a, it's a brother in the Lord. Uh, and he comes and he sits down at my kitchen table and he says, listen, I'm tired of be, uh, uh, being such a, uh, how do you put it? He said, I'm, I'm tired of procrastinating. He said, God has, has called me years ago and I've done things. He said, but I'm just tired of procrastinating. There's some things that God wants me to do and God wants me to speak. And he said, I've just procrastinated for so long. And he said, I'm tired of it. And so he's, he's ready to get involved and, and get on the ball and do some tremendous things for the kingdom. But he said, listen, I've known for years and years and years. And I don't have an excuse. And I've made all these other things stand in the way. And I put it off and said, well, one day, maybe when all these things come in line or in order. Folks, listen, you cannot do that. Otherwise, you'll find yourself in the exact same place. And what God will do, he'll raise up. He'll provoke you to jealousy with the people that are no people. And by a foolish nation, he said, I will anger you. And we've seen that uh, kind of widespread in the church. What's happened is the church got in this isolated type of mentality. And so what's God does? He begins to raise up the people that their, their, their hair standing a little too high. Or they've got a little bit color in their skin or, or they, 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 they listen to a little di- different brand of music and, and God is pouring out revival and seeing people get saved from, from people that don't look the part or the people that's not in the three-piece suit or the people that, that don't uh, walk in, the, in a certain amount of protocol. What's he doing? He's provoking people to jealousy uh, through a people that, that seemed foolish to them, through a people that didn't uh, seem the right. And folks, we're seeing the same thing. We see it on the streets. We go out and people are just amazed. Well, how are y'all seeing miracles? How are you seeing folks get saved? Well, because we're willing to be a fool for Christ Jesus. We're willing to get out there and, and, and preach the Word of God without compromise in the midst of the greatest debauchery and all these things that we see. So that's the power of God that has. And so, uh, go to question. If you're here with us today and you have questions, if so, if you'll hold off for uh, until the top of the hour, I'll stay on and I'll answer your questions. But if you would, just hold off and I'll answer those questions. We'll post a telephone number or a Skype number on there that you can actually call in and we'll answer those questions in detail. But if you'll just hold off for just a second. Then he says in verse uh, chapter, excuse me, verse 20 of Romans chapter 9, uh, 10, he says, But Isaiah is very bold and says to them, he said, I was found of them that sought me not, and I was made manifest unto them that asked me not. And so this phrase when he says, but Isaiah said, is, uh, is bold and said, is taken from Isaiah 65, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 65, verses 1 and 2. And so he says, I was found of them that sought me not, I was made manifest unto them that asked me not. Really what it uh, proclaims is the exact same mo- uh, message that Moses proclaimed right there in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 21. And what he predicts is that the gospel will be heard and received of the Gentiles. And that they'll, they'll be the ones that are, are the recipients of it in this, this age of grace. And they'll be the ones that God uses for a period of time to allow the gospel to be really proliferated throughout the world. And so as we, we, we stated before, this passage really kind of says the exact same thing that we, we saw in Romans 9.30. Look at Romans 9.30, what it says. He says, What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained the righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? Absolutely. Why? Because the message of faith went out and God utilized the, the, the Gentiles to do it. And so as we talked about, the Gentiles were not, were not a people that, that, that believed in God. They did not seek after God. They seeked after a, a, a many gods. They, were, they, were, they, 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 they weren't monotheistic. They were people that kind of whatever came down the pike, they had it. So they did not have any type of inclination towards God. But God showed up on the scene and chose a people that were foolish, a people that, 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 that did not look like they could be used. And so really up until probably uh, 
until the time of Alexander the Great, which is about 300 years uh, before Christ, most nations on earth and, and tribes or whatever, they gave credit to their God and they just called Him and everything. But they gave credit to their gods for their military victories. They always sought it for their crops and everything else. And so they, 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 they had a normalcy in worshiping a God, but not just this one God. And so when God began to speak to the Gentiles, it was such an oddity. Why? Because who are these people? These people just would take anybody's God. They would take a piece of stone and, and call it a God. And so it, it kind of baffled the Jews that God would use uh, uh, this people that, that, that had no inclination towards Him whatsoever. And so He used that as, a, as, a, as, a, as a really a provocative type of statement in them. But he, he, once again, He gave them that, that prophecy just as He gave it in Deuteronomy through Moses. He gave it right here through, through Isaiah. But then He says in verse 21, He says, But to Israel, He says, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. And once again, Isaiah 65, verses 1 and 2. That's what he said. All day long I've stretched out my hands. And so what he's doing is, once again, he's predicting not only that the Gentiles will hear it, but they'll receive the gospel and that Israel would reject it. That's what he said. He said, listen, they're going to receive it, people that should not have received it, and the people that should have received it are going to be the ones that rejected it. And so he said, listen, I stretched forth my hand, and, and it was a disobedient, it was a gainsaying people, but listen, I'm going to use the disobedient, I'm going to use the gainsaying. Folks, listen, we're seeing those things happen all the time. We're seeing uh, people that have been heroin addicts, that God has turned around. We're seeing people that have been involved in prostitution, that were disobedient and gainsaying. We're seeing people that are involved in gangs. We're seeing people that had lived a life of violence, that God is turning them around, and, and it's, a, it's a testimony uh, not just to the people that live that lifestyle, but to testimony of these people that walked in such a, a, a type of piety and they, uh, in such a semblance of religion that really did not know God, that had a form of godliness but denied the power thereof. I hear it all the time. It's, it's like, you know what? How does that person? That person only got saved a year ago and now they're preaching the gospel. How did that person? They, that person was hooked on drugs and now they're praying for the sick and see them recover. I've sat in church for 30 years and I never see those things. Is there not a pattern there? The problem is, you've sat in church for 30 years and you've not seen those things. Folks, where God is saving the heroin addict is in a heroin alley. Where God is delivering the, the prostitute is out there on the street corner. Where God is healing the sick is out there in the marketplace. If we're willing to go and do and to be, then God is going to use us to do those things. So, but the Israeli says all day long, he said, listen, I've stretched forth my hands. I've allowed my, my hands, my authority to go back. Uh, and, and, and use and to, to raise up a people that were gainsayers, the people that were disobedient, the people that, that did not know me. And he said, I'm willing to go and allow those type of things to happen in a different way. And so, folks, listen, that kind of wraps up really the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. And, and really what he's getting out, and I want to go back to the very first verse as we kind of sew up uh, the 10th chapter. He said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God for Israel is that they might be saved. And really, that was the whole heart and cry. And we saw it once again in, in, in Romans uh, uh, 9.27 when he said, Isaiah cried aloud. He said, you know what? Even though that uh, Israel, uh, their, their number was like as the sand of the sea, only a remnant should be saved. Then he says, brethren, my heart's desire is for God is that Israel might be saved. He closes out that chapter with, with all day long. He said, I stretch forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. So here's what he was saying. And I want to kind of summarize chapter 10 for you. He was saying, listen, our goal is that our people get saved. But if they're not willing to listen, God's going to use somebody else. And I want to say that today. You know what? God has called many of you. God's raised you up to do something. But if you're not willing to pay the price, God will use somebody else. God will use somebody that you never thought He would use. 
If, if God has put a burden on your heart and you've procrastinated, God has told you to go and, and share your faith with people, but you've not done it, you know what God's going to do? He's going to use the, the, the people that you thought had rejected the word. God's going to stir them up. God's going to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He said not many wise men, not many noble men after the flesh, but God will use those things that weak are weak and those things that are base to confound and overtake those things that are mighty. And so my challenge to you today is don't miss your opportunity that my heart's desire for you is that God would use you in a powerful and in, 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 in constructive way. God would use you in a, in, in, in a way that is going to bring glory to His name, that He's not going to have to pass you by and call out a foolish people. Praise God that He'll use the foolish, that God will use the weak, but God needs to use you as well that have sat under the Word, that have heard the Word of truth, that have been uh, uh, indoctrinated with the, with the truth of God's Word and, and know exactly what God is speaking to you, but you've procrastinated. Folks, that sums it up, and we're not going to jump into chapter 11 until tomorrow, but I'm going to read that first verse it says i say then has god uh, uh cast away his people no god forbid for i'm also an israelite the seed of abraham of the tribe of benjamin so we're going to dive in that tomorrow also this coming week on friday pastor monzel who's with us on the uh, website he's going to be in thursday night and so he's going to be sitting here at the desk with me on on friday so that's going to be neat uh, to have somebody sitting here with us and so we'll be he'll be here with me and we'll be talking about the word we'll see how far we are into chapter 11 by friday and uh, be uh, uh, be good to have uh, him interject uh, what God showed him uh, through the Word of God as well. But folks, we're out of time. I'm going to stick around after we go off live and answer any questions that you may have. But folks, i got a bit of advice for you today. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.